that might have been in like total unison. Hit we might have actually at the same time. Oh, we're so in sync. That was Britney Spears. Oh, was it? Okay. Hit me baby one more time. Oh, okay. And then you look, said in sync. You know, 90s fans. Oh god, you ruined it. Um, technically Britney Spears is not a band. And technically, InSync is more than a band. It's a lifestyle, or at I'm least that's what I thought podcast. when I was in second grade. I'm quitting the podcast. <laughs> Everything is done. Everything is over. Uh, this, speaking of the podcast that Haley's quitting, this is Crime Culture. Hey. I, that's Haley. I'm Caitlin. Hey, what's up? Michael's showing off a nipple in the back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you got called out. Mm-hmm. And- <laughs> Didn't know we were recording, did you? <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain uh, so we need these laughs we need this levity yeah this um, is gonna suck yeah this is gonna this is this is i i say this every time and yet somehow we don't learn um it's never fun to talk about kids and at this all is, any and any way yeah you shouldn't talk um, about children you should never just talk about children um True. no <laughs> Now you speak. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's it's never fun talking about crimes against children. But this one um, was, I mean, all of them are horrific. This one's horrific. A lot of them, all of them just are and awful. We were briefly talking about this before we started recording. You have not seen the docuseries. I have not seen the docuseries um, because I, as I was explaining to you, and I think I've said on here before, um i can't if it's if it's kids i can't do it um you watched madeline mccann thing i watched madeline mccann and i watched sandy hook and both of them like when i tell you i had a headache from crying so much yeah like it's if i can help it i don't do it i i it's it is yeah it's a huge it's my it's my it's my trigger (laughs) yeah um but yeah, so this case happened like two hours away from me. Um, you now or you when you lived in Connecticut? Me now, me now. Okay. Um, it, we actually, right around when like everything was all said and done, when the trials were finishing up, was when we moved out here. Um, so like right after. Yeah. So um, no, so for those who have not read the title because they like to be surprised, we are talking about Gabriel Fernandez um and hernandez is it fernandez or hernandez fernandez oh um, i i oh yeah it is fernandez you. i don't know why it's on our schedule as hernandez because i keep fucking it up and i so i my sister knew, somebody knew somebody who was a hernandez a gabe hernandez and okay. i was like I, I, it, the minute I started researching this, I was like, I am going to fuck it up. I am going to say it at least once. It is Fernandez, not right. Hernandez. And it's solely just because if you have ever had like a name just drilled into your head, because you yeah. hear it all the time. Yeah, like, if you for know example, somebody with that name, then you're immediately ruined for getting it right for anybody else. Yeah. Uh, like, it, like if this was a case about Hallie Langan, I would call her Haley like a million times. Like, yeah. it, it just, it would, it's, my cross to bear so for that i am sorry i am also sorry um first of all i'm just sorry i exist and therefore i'm sorry and we're sorry Um, we're doing this episode because it's it's a bummer we're sorry we're doing this to you um but also i i 
I so there's a lot to do with this case and there's also not a lot like for example I could not find a lot of specific dates once we got to the trials okay. um, and like I googled up and down and center trying to find like okay like when did this happen when was this person convicted could not for the life of me just could Weird. not like like so this is to the best of my ability and then also there was stuff i had to take out just because a like there's a lot going on in here because we've kind of got like a couple cases that we have to touch on yep um like legal cases but yeah without further ado this there's is gabriel a, yeah and there's Hernandez. a six-part docuseries Hernandez. so God damn it i just did it if you want a huge like bummer of a weekend i think it came out yeah, we'll during talk about it. it came out like during the pandemic so like <laughs> right at the beginning not even like yeah. literally like two weeks before oh perfect yes give you something um, to, to ease yourself into i guess i guess yeah right um so gabriel daniel fernandez was one of four children born on February 20th, 2005, to Pearl Cynthia Fernandez and Arnold Contreras. Gabriel was pretty much born into chaos. Uh, mm-hmm. Fernandez, his mother... So I call him Gabriel throughout this because his mother is Fernandez, and it's yeah. just... it's There's a couple Fernandez To avoid confusion. Yeah. Um, Pearl Fernandez has said that she was abused by her mother as a child and that her dad was in and out of jail. Mm. Um, And when she was nine years old, she began drinking alcohol and using meth before (gasps) she ran away from home at the age of 11 and then dropped out of school when she was in the eighth grade. Um, Holy shit. Yeah. So this is his mother who has already like dealt with a lot. Yeah. Um, And then she's having like, again, four kids. Uh, So Fernandez has also alleged that she was raped by some men who had taken her hostage for a period of days just taking turns raping her and she's also alleged that when she was a teenager her uncle attempted to rape her um however fernandez's aunt so yeah um her aunt elizabeth carranza and her husband have said that fernandez frequently plays the victim and that while fernandez has claimed that many of her past partners have been abusive she was actually the abusive and manipulative one Mm. which kind of would explain why Fernandez had charges pending against her for threatening to stab Contreras, Gabriel's father, at one point. I mean, regardless of, like, of, like, the he said, she said of it all, she did grow up in uh, pretty crazy circumstances. Yeah. So, like, any number of things could have happened to her as a kid. Obviously, if you're drinking and, like, doing drugs, like... At nine years and old, hard drugs before you hit double digits, before you get like your first period, like before anything, mm-hmm. like that. That You're is in, like, going the third grade, fourth grade. That is absolute insanity. Yeah, and, and I mean, and that's kind of why I'm kind of just like, I think both of these things could be true. I think it can be true that she had terrible things happen to her, and it's true that she did terrible things. Both well, yeah. of those things can be true. If you, it doesn't have to be black and white. If you are growing up with very immediate access to drugs and alcohol that you can consume pretty regularly and little uh, supervision yeah then yeah there's reason to believe that not everything else is uh perfectly safe in your life right right uh, Fernandez was also diagnosed with several mental health issues over the course of her life, including a depressive disorder, developmental disability, a possible personality disorder, and PTSD. And in 2011, she took a cognitive... I can't speak today. In 2011, she took a cognitive ability test 
and she scored in the third percentile in the verbal comprehension portion of the test, meaning she is essentially on the same level as a second grader. Well, that would make sense. I mean, we talked about um, the episode where we covered um, our 420 episode, like covering weed. You should not be ingesting any type of these substances before your brain solidifies. Yeah. Like, well, and if, if she got so deep into addiction, yeah. second grade is right before she hit that. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes it just because she did. She dropped out of school in the eighth grade does not mean she was still going to school. Like, yeah. you know, and absorbing anything. Yeah. Um, but so three days after Gabriel was born, Fernandez abandoned him at the hospital. <sighs> he was then put in the custody of his maternal great uncle. So his, his. So. Pearl Fernandez's mother's brother. Okay. Uh, and his name was Michael Lemos Carranza. And so Gabriel was put in the possession of him and his partner, David Martinez, who continued to raise Gabriel until he was four years old, at which point Gabriel was uh, moved in. He moved in with his grandparents uh, mm. because his grandfather did not approve of Carranza's and Martinez re- Martinez's relationship. Even though they probably were providing a beautiful house for this little kid. A wonderful home. And just like we'll, uh, it's just, it's homophobia plays a big role here. Yeah. yeah. Um, And it's just, I don't know. I don't know, but it, it bothers me. Um, I mean, obviously, but you know, it's, there's a lot of like homophobia being at the root of a lot of these tragedies. Um, yeah. So Gabriel continued to live with his parents. Grant, Elliot, you know what to do here. Gabriel continued to live with his grandparents until October 2012, when his mother and her boyfriend of about a year and a half to two years, uh, Isaro, also known as Tony Aguirre, regained physical custody of him, despite the fact that his family was concerned for his safety and expressed as much to the California State Department of Children and Family Services. Um, mm. A lot, as we'll get into. Yeah. Aguirre had just started working at the Vallarta Market in Palmdale, California, as a security guard before, uh, as a security guard who was contracted through AVL Private Security. But before that, he had worked for about three years as a caregiver and a driver at the Woodland Park Retirement Hotel, where the executive director, Susan Weisbarth, later described him as a, quote, quiet, down-to-earth, nice person, always willing to help, end quote, and said he was patient and caring towards the residents, and that staff affectionately had nicknamed him Shaggy. Hmm. So after going to live with his mother and Aguirre, Gabriel began to show show signs of abuse. Um, after he was hit with a metal belt buckle, um, he was like being whipped with the belt. Oh. Uh, he asked his teacher, Jennifer Garcia, if it's, quote, normal to bleed, end quote. Oh. Remember, he's eight. Yeah. He's not even eight here. He's seven. Um, I think, yes. Uh, in response, she immediately contacted the LA County DCFS child welfare hotline and was later called by social worker Stephanie Rodriguez, who told her that she was the social worker assigned to Gabriel's case. Mm -hmm. On another day, Garcia noticed that Gabriel had come to school with chunks of his hair missing and a fat lip, like just a big, huge lump on his lip. And when she asked him what had happened, Gabriel said that his mother had punched him in the mouth. Oh. After speaking with the school's principal, Garcia called DCFS about these blatant signs of abuse and then, like, after, like, just, send, like, calling this this number, she was told that a social worker would check in on Gabriel. 
And that was that. So then another day, Garcia contacted DCFS again after Gabriel confided in her that his mother had shot him in the face with a BB gun. (gasps) And once again, she was told a social worker would come check on him. I mean, this is also just such an indictment of the system itself. Um, It's just set up wrong. There's not enough people to handle everything. I'm sure, like, this is not the only case that was going on at the time. There's a lot of other shit going on. And, like, it's very... Even today, even, like, the... um, um, uh, Susan Cox... Mm -hmm. that case yeah the yeah yeah. Powell kids yeah and and how how the system failed them um i understand like you want the kids to like stay with the parents and stuff but like he had such a good home with other family members well and we'll get into that because quite honestly like i i know that we issued a correction section for the susan cox powell case um because the social worker did try, as a listener pointed out to us, um, there is none of that here. There is, this is a, we'll get into it. This is a complete, not even a mishandling, but this is just piss poor work yeah, this by was, these people. It wasn't mishandled because they didn't even have a handle on it. They didn't no. have, there was reports, mm-hmm. reports, reports, and not mm-hmm. a lot of follow up. No, no, just wait, just wait, baby, baby. Like, yeah, I know, get I ready it. to get fucking pissed. Um, just brace yourself now. Grab that Valium if you got it, because we're going on a ride. <sighs> but not before we talk about more. In another incident, after a 13-day absence from school, Garcia immediately noticed that when Gabriel returned, his condition had continued to deteriorate. And once again, she called Rodriguez, but nobody ever called her back. Hmm. Meanwhile, Carranza and her husband had, so the maternal aunt of Pearl Fernandez, Uh called social services three times and talked to sheriffs twice regarding the welfare of their great nephew. So they're getting calls from the teacher. They're getting calls from relatives. Mm -hmm. Then also, in late April 2013, Arturo Miranda Martinez, a security guard at a Los Angeles County welfare office, noticed extensive injuries on Gabriel's body and literally risked his job to call 911 to, pro- to report potential abuse. Um, I mean, at this point, if I worked at that school, I would steal the child. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I laugh because, just because, like, I know honestly, that you would. That's the thing. It's like, I can see this happening. That's the only time you're going to get any action. Oh, the police are going to come because I stole the child? Well, how come nobody come, came when he had a fat lip? He got shot in the face with a BB gun. This, that, and the other thing. Like, what's it going to take? And obviously, well, it's going to take the end of this case. But, I mean... Well, wait. I would, it's funny I you would, say all this. I would steal this child. Um. Well, as a whole... Over 60 complaints were filed against Pearl Hernandez and Aguirre to the Los Angeles County Department of Children and Family Services between 2005 and 2012. And those social workers did sometimes go to Gabriel's home. They never had a like conducted or asked for a medical follow up to make sure that he was physically okay, Mm -hmm. And they never directly talked to Gabriel. They only spoke with his mother. And I don't know if you have information on this. I know he was he was not an only child. No. They were siblings. Do you yes. know, were the siblings, like, 
I don't know if they touched on this in the docuseries. Again, I watched the docuseries at the be- like, probably right at the beginning of the pandemic, so like everything is erased from my brain. Um, but I don't know if they ever talked about the other children. They didn't really talk about them. Um, the the like in in any of the things that I read, they didn't really because they were minors, so they couldn't really. Oh, uh, they couldn't really. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Obviously, I, mean, um, I do own, have some information from the kids. But for the most part, like, they were minors, so it's not like they could, like, be used, not used, but you know what I mean, like, um, for a lot. However, um, I do know that, like, we'll get into this. I, I don't think that the kids, the kids were definitely not in a good situation, like any of them. Yeah, but it was um, like a Sylvia Likens type situation where only only Gabriel was being, like, at the brunt of the uh, the abuse. Uh, to to give a spoiler, just because like there's no other way to answer this question, um, Aguirre and Fernandez believed that Gabriel was gay, and that is why he was being abused. That's where I was like, homophobia really is hitting with this yeah, because yeah, he yeah, yeah, lost yeah. out on a perfectly good family because of it. He, I mean, was- I, know, I wonder how much of that was they believed he was gay because he was for the first four years of his life being raised by a a gay couple. Some of that very much could be like, we'll get into some of the why. Um, but yeah. Um, so just a happy, well-adjusted kid. And they were like, well, this can't be correct. I mean, that's, I just, that's, we'll, we'll get, we'll get into it. Cause it's just, this is about to get even more difficult. Yeah. 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 Um, so on May 22nd, 2013. So like about a month after, Arturo Martinez, Miranda Martinez, contacted the sheriff. Um, Fernandez, Pearl Fernandez, called 911 after she and Aguirre beat Gabriel for not picking up his toys and he had stopped speaking and responding and was breathing very shallowly. Mm. Um, Aguirre later admitted to punching the child 10 times that day alone and Mm. scrubbing his face and neck to the point that his skin tore. Oh my God. When paramedics arrived at their Palmdale, California apartment, they found Gabriel naked and barely breathing and showing signs of having been subjected to multiple forms of torture. Um, y'all might want to skip if you're... Uh, I mean, this is not the episode for you if you're... If, if I should have done are, a disclaimer at the beginning, though. Like, we, can, we can also... You might hear a disclaimer at the beginning of this if we go back and record one because yeah. this is... Uh, it's bad. It's, it's, it's a, bad. It's child torture. Like, what... It's it's just I like I, I very rarely not to sound callous, but very rarely do I like get emotional while doing research. Yeah, 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 um, for sure. So that said, um, he had been subjected, showed signs of being subjected to multiple forms of torture, um, including being beaten, restrained, shot in the groin with a BB gun. And had suffered severe physical trauma, including a fractured skull, three broken ribs, two teeth knocked out, cigarette burns to his skin, and BB, pellet, BB gun pellets embedded in his lung. Furthermore, L.A. County DCFS documents and court documents later noted that Gabriel also had a deviated septum, possibly from being punched in the face, lacerations to his li- liver, cat litter in his stomach, and his brain at the time that he was admitted to Children's Hospital Los Angeles, was basically the same consistency as Rice Krispies. Jesus. Gabriel. Like no, no part of his body was unaffected no. by no. this abuse. And no. you look at you look at this 
pictures of this little boy if you google his name and mm-hmm. everything just like the sweetest happiest little face mm-hmm. he he was I... I don't know how anyone like i don't know how anyone can look at a little kid like that and just be so evil like this is just the worst of humanity um so gabriel was rushed to the hospital and the next day fernandez and aguirre were arrested and on may 24th 2013 gabriel was declared brain dead he was eight years old yeah four days later on may 28th 2013 fernandez and aguirre were charged with capital murder The following day, L.A. County officials launched an investigation into how the abuse complaints involving Gabriel were addressed, or rather Mm. not addressed. At all, ever. Four social workers were placed on desk duty pending possible disciplinary action, with L.A. County Supervisor Michael D. Antonovich saying, quote, We need to know where the breakdown was in the services recommended and why his child was not removed from those living conditions, end quote. And that's according to the L.A. Times. Not just once, not just twice, not just three times. There were like 60 counts. Over 60. Over 60 complaints. from And only complaints. And not from one source, from... Multiple. teachers from family from strangers everywhere from that, everywhere that security guard arturo Miranda martinez was a stranger yeah um so on may 30th 2013 the la times reported that the la county dcfs had left gabriel in the care of his mother and aguirre despite six investigations into abuse involving fernandez over the previous decade again this is in addition to the 60 plus calls yeah. Yep. Um, this sparked a flurry of protests across L.A. County over the course of June 2013 through September 2013, and also demands for change at public meetings across the state in terms of how child abuse cases are handled in California. Yeah. So on June 25th, 2013, the County Board of Supervisors, L.A. County, um, they voted to create a blue ribbon commission to investigate the child welfare agency and propose reforms to its handling of child welfare cases. And following an internal investigation, LA County DCFS director, William Browning announced or following the internal investigation. Um, he announced on July 30th, 2013 that two LA County DCFS social workers, Stephanie Rodriguez, the social worker who was assigned to his case after Garcia called, um, Gabriel's case after Garcia called the hotline and Patricia Clements and two supervisors, Kevin Baum and Gregory Merritt would be terminated over the gross mishandling of Gabriel's case and charged with two felonies, child abuse and falsifying public records. Mm -hmm. The unprecedented charges against them held up to 11 years in prison if convicted. Wow. Um, Meanwhile, others, quote, peripherally involved, end quote, in Gabriel's case, received letters of warning or reprimands, according to the L.A. Times. Mm -hmm. On August 13th, 2013, Fernandez and Aguirre were arraigned on charges of murder and special circumstance of torture. According to authorities, Aguirre admitted causing injuries to Gabriel during police interviews, and Fernandez admitted that she was present and did not intervene during the attack. Mm Mm-hmm. On August 18th, 2014, the LA Times reported that the 800-page grand jury testimony revealed just some of the extent of abuse to which Gabriel had been subjected. According to the report, both of Gabriel, two of Gabriel's siblings, both of whom were minors, 
um, as I said before, testified that in the months leading up to his death, Gabriel was beaten regularly and forced to eat cat feces and his own vomit. And he was sleep and he was forced to sleep in a locked cabinet with no access to the bathroom. Hmm. Furthermore, Fernandez and Aguirre allegedly also bullied Gabriel for being, as they believed, gay and punished him whenever he played with dolls and forced him to wear girls' clothing to school. Mm. They forced him to wear the clothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that he wanted to wear it. Not that there was anything wrong with that, but just to, for clarification purposes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so on August 27, 2013, Gabriel's maternal grandparents took the grandparents that he lived with before yeah. being returned to his mother's custody took the first steps in filing a wrongful death lawsuit against multiple L.A. County agencies by filing a claim saying L.A. County DCFS erred in returning Gabriel to his mother. Um, and they also just up and down left, right, center called them negligent. Yeah. Um, but now, so remember that Blue Ribbon Commission put together by the L.A. County to, by L.A. County to investigate just like how royally their yep. DCFS department fucked up? Well, on April 22nd, 2014, they finished their investigation, finally, and returned to the Board of Supervisors with a scathing report that detailed over 40 recommendations for changes to the way that child abuse cases are handled in Los Angeles County. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Fernandez and Aguirre returned to court a few months later, and on August 18th, 2014, court testimony detailed that they beat Gabriel with bats and a club, which is what knocked out his two front teeth, or the mm -hmm. two teeth. I don't remember if they were two front teeth. Um, he was shot in the face with a gun, a BB gun and pepper spray and whipped with the metal part of a belt. Hmm. On July 15th, 2015, prosecutors announced that the L.A. County District Attorney's Office would be seeking the death penalty against Fernandez and Aguirre, who were indicted by a grand jury on a charge of murder and a special circumstance of torture. The two pled not guilty. And a few months later, on September 15th, 2015 or September 10th, 2015, excuse me. A centralized location to train new social workers in Los Angeles County opened its doors after the child welfare system came under intense scrutiny following Gabriel's death, according to NBC Los Angeles. Yeah. The following year, on January 26th, 2016, a judge ruled that Merritt, one of the supervisors at uh, L.A. County DCFS, um, mm -hmm. that he, along with Clement, the one of the social workers, decided to close Gabriel's case after he was reunited with his mother and was like they, this is what they did they he like he decided that after gabriel was reunited with his mother he would close the case and then he was fired yeah so a judge ruled that Merritt and clement should be reinstated um which was about as well received as I'm sure you can expect, but the miscarriage of justice did not last because on April 7th, 2016, Merritt Clement and the other two DCFS employees, Rodriguez and Baum, were each charged with one felony count of child abuse and one felony count of falsifying public records in connection with the 2012 death of Gabriel Fernandez. L.A. County prosecutors said the personnel minimized, quote, the significance of the physical, mental and emotional injuries that Gabriel suffered and followed a and allowed a vulnerable boy to remain at home and continue to be abused, end quote, according to the L.A. Times. And that the social workers displayed, quote, willful disregard, end quote, for Gabriel's well-being, according to NBC Los Angeles. And it sounds exactly like what happened, like we've talked about before with the Jeffrey Dahmer case, where that fucking cop let connor accent the phone go back with Dahmer, although he was found 
on the street naked mm-hmm. and bleeding mm-hmm. because he was like ew gay stuff mm-hmm. so and didn't want to get involved so let a victim go back to one of the worst murderers in american history and obviously he was fired afterwards but then quietly got reinstated and was allowed to uh retire yeah just like a happy life yeah yeah like that's I don't know how these people are not held to a, a more strict standard. Well, remember, at this point, they've been charged. Yeah, but still. It's, yeah. Nothing can pay back what they neglected. Oh, I know. Just, honey, wait. So, on January 1st, 2017, the LA Times published a report based on a review of grand jury testimonies child welfare records and court documents, which revealed that the L.A. County Sheriff's deputies had visited Gabriel's home multiple times in the months leading up to his death, but claimed they found no signs of abuse, and so they filed no paperwork that would have prompted specially trained detectives to delve further into Gabriel's well-being. Some of Mm -hmm. the nine deputies were internally disciplined for not properly investigating the abuse allegations, but the Sheriff's Department declined to provide more specifics to the LA Times. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, the prosecution of Aguirre and Fernandez began, and jurors were given details about the extensive abuse Gabriel went through in the months preceding his murder and his family, and as well as details about his family situation. So that's where uh-huh. all of that backstory that I gave you, um, the the just litany of abuses that he endured, um, all of that came from the trial. Uh, But, for example, in the months leading up to and after Gabriel's death, Fernandez admitted to abusing opioid painkillers, including oxycodone and Norco. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, clinical psychologist and forensic neuropsychologist Deborah S. Miora, who evaluated Pearl Fernandez for the defense, determined that she has an intellectual disability that makes her, quote, virtually unable to use thought to guide her behavior and temper her emotional reactions, end quote. Then why was she allowed to have custody of all these children? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if she had custody of all of these children, all four okay. of them. Right. Um, but at the very least, why was she allowed to have custody of any child? Like yeah. Gabriel, anybody. So in November 2017, Aguirre's trial ended with the prosecution and defense delivering their closing arguments on November 13th. Jury deliberation began on November 14th, 2017, and after jurors deliberated for about six hours, Aguirre was convicted of first-degree murder the following afternoon with the jury also finding true a special allegation that the murder was committed with the infliction of torture. Mm-hmm. So on December 11th, 2017, jury deliberations began for the sentencing phase, and the following day, the jury was deadlocked. However, on December 13th, after deliberating for about seven hours over the course of those three days, the jury recommended the death penalty for Aguirre. In a mm-hmm. public statement obtained by the LA Times, the panel said, quote, we were plucked out of our everyday lives and brought together to serve we came together to bring justice for Gabriel, end quote. And a couple yeah. of years later, Deputy DA Hatami would tell the LA Times when they profiled him for an article that he so strongly pushed for justice for Gabriel because, quote, it's my truth. I know what it feels like to be powerless, end quote. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just he's he's a he's like a huge fucking deal. Like he's a big child abuse advocate. Yeah. And just like really like a, a just a hero. Um. So the following year, in February 2018, Fernandez, instead of going to trial, pleaded guilty to first-degree murder with special circumstances of torture. 
but not actually because she was sorry, or at least that wasn't all of it, um, because it was part of a plea deal to avoid a trial, because prosecutors expected the jury to, to also like say that she should get the death penalty, recommend the death penalty. And Fernandez's defense team believed capital punishment wasn't appropriate given Fernandez's low IQ. So basically, like, because of what Miora had said, that clinical psychologist um, had said that they were just like, that's not, I don't want to say unfair, but do do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In court, she stated, quote, I want to say I'm sorry for what happened. I wish Gabriel was alive every day. I wish that I would have made better choices. I'm sorry to my children and I want them to know that I love them, end quote. The following month, she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and was then admitted to Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla, California, on June 21st, 2018. Oh, we talked about Chowchilla. I was going to say, we know Chowchilla. Chowchilla uh, bus kidnappings. Yep. yep. So on June 7th, 2018, Superior Court Judge George G. Lomelli sentenced Fernandez to life in prison without parole and accepted the jury's recommendation that Aguirre be executed by lethal injection for the abuse, torture, and murder of Gabriel, which he described as, quote, horrendous, inhumane, and nothing short of evil, end quote. I mean, his mugshot is haunting. Yeah. Also, it is terrifying. I, I just said Fernandez. I meant to say Aguirre. So Aguirre, he sentenced yeah. Aguirre to life in prison without parole and accepted the jury's rec- recommendation that Aguirre be executed by yeah. lethal injection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so on June 13th, 2018, Aguirre was admitted to San Quentin State Prison, but he has since been transferred to Richard J. Donovan Correctional Facility in San Diego. And on September 13th, 2018, Judge Lamelli denied a motion to dismiss child abuse and other charges against the four social workers, saying that they had demonstrated an improper, quote, an improper regard for human life, end quote, and, quote, a lack of vigilance, end quote, by mm-hmm. neglecting to properly document Gabriel's abuse. Yeah, if the teachers, if a, if a passing security guard could see that there was abuse here and you went into this house and didn't see abuse, were you wearing a fucking blindfold? Yeah, or even not even some of them. Again, not every call resulted in a visit. Yeah. Like, I, I so here's the deal. According to a 2018 article in The Atlantic, another caseworker had used a computer program to estimate Gabriel's likelihood of abuse. But despite the fact that the results were determined that he was high risk, mm-hmm. Merritt closed the case. When That's when he closed the case, when he went back with his mother. Uh-huh. So despite the fact that there were computer programs saying, statistically speaking, he is high risk. Yep. Merritt closed the case. So then when Barbara Dallas, one of the department's assistant regional administrators, arrived at Merritt's desk on the morning of May 23rd, 2013, the morning after Gabriel was rushed to the hospital and asked him for the Gabriel Fernandez case file, Merritt didn't immediately understand what was going on. So they had to rummage through a pile of closed cases. And then Dallas explained as they were looking that Gabriel, again, eight years old, had been severely abused and might die and he would die the next day yep so after they found the file and dallas left Merritt said a silent prayer for the boy yeah you basically sentenced him to death like mm-hmm. you are complicit with 
all of these other factors in what happened to this child. Mm -hmm. But nobody said a prayer. And then he turned back to his computer, quote, because life goes on and I had work to do. And oh, quote. yeah. Close a bunch of other cases for children that are about to die. Yep. Go ahead. Oh, but he's a good Christian man. So thoughts and prayers get you fucking yeah, nowhere. Ex fucking exactly. So he had concluded long ago that some of the children who depended on the department would inevitably be injured if not killed and that no one could protect them all. And while he was frustrated that both the administrators and the public expected him to do this, it was impossible. So he's saying that he is upset that people expected him to do his job. Yeah. What did you think you were signing up to do? Like, exactly. Like, I don't work in social work but i know people who do and i know just from from those tidbits that it is an incredibly demanding stressful job Frust you are overworked yeah. frustrating they are understaffed. upsetting yeah that is no excuse for not trying your fucking best especially for this it was like handed to you on a silver platter take the kid out of this situation there was literally like a computer did all of the analysis analyses for him and he had family members who had already taken him in the past yeah he could have he gone was removed to live. from their care yeah he could have gone to live with a loving couple or he could yeah he could have stayed living with a loving couple exactly and yet Merritt had the gall to tell the atlantic that he felt extreme guilt for what happened to gabriel but that quote i don't think there's anything else i could have done and you could have done everything you could have saved this kid's life oh yeah like, I just, I'm, I'm shaking. I'm so angry. Um, so the following year, because this gets better, on March 3rd, 2019, Deputy DA Hitami brought forth the 2017 testimony of Barbara Dixon, a former counselor who was working, who had worked on Gabriel's case while he was prosecuting the parents of a 10-year-old boy named Anthony Avalos, whose case was also very similar to Gabriel's and that he was murdered because his parents thought he was gay. Yep. Um, and so this testimony was originally collected during a preliminary hearing for the four L.A. County DCFS caseworkers, um, which included Merritt, as I said before, uh, but it wasn't public. It was only accessible basically by the deputy DA. Okay. So he brings this testimony forth and in it, uh, Dixon said that she visited Gabriel's home in 2013, where she found him limping and had he had a black eye scrapes across his face and bruising on his wrists and ankles. And however, she said that she initially believed the family's explanation that he had simply fallen off his bike. But you after... don't, oh, go ahead. you don't believe a bullshit excuse like that. Forget if that. a kid, if, if you are assigned to a case and the kid has bruises, you need to look into that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, that's and, such and, bullshit. And again, this is not to say that all caseworkers are terrible because I, I I'm have sure there's personally very, dealt with good caseworkers. I, uh, like I, yeah. I said, I know people who are good caseworkers. I'm However, sure there's very dedicated people that go into this job knowing how demanding and everything is be and like want to do good work. Yes. But and, this and is to be not quite those honestly, people. To be, to be quite honest, I also know people who went into it for that field. I've, I've met them through my own career journey mm -hmm. who initially were in that field felt themselves getting either burnt out or t like downtrodden or what have you, but recognized it enough that they were like, I need to switch fields because it is better to not have somebody who does not give a shit 
than yeah. to have like it, it, it's not about having bodies and seats no you know what i mean this isn't this isn't some fucking data entry desk job this these are people's lives yeah yeah that if you don't notice something or you neglect to report something you are causing the death of an eight-year-old child yeah 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 so in this testimony she said that she did believe this this explanation however she then went on a walk and spoke with gabriel and then came to doubt this story no shit sherlock yeah but dixon then said that michael bailey her boss at hathaway sycamore child and hathaway sycamores excuse me child and family services which is a contracting like a, a company that is contracted by la county for child welfare services uh-huh bailey told her that he did not want her to report suspected abuse and that her supervisors to, and she said that her supervisors told her not to cooperate with the police when they investigated gabriel's death fucking what yeah and so under the promise of immunity she she said she she shared this testimony because spoiler alert she fucking did yeah she did what they said or else he'd still be fucking alive yeah furthermore on may 22nd 2019 a state audit of la county's dcfs initiated after anthony and gabriel's deaths um concluded quote the department has allowed children to remain in unsafe and abusive situations for months longer than necessary because it did not start or complete investigations within required time frames, end quote. In addition, the state auditor's office found that the department's social workers used, quote, inaccurate, end quote, assessments to determine child risk and failed to conduct criminal background checks of those living in homes where children were placed. The social workers and supervisors went to trial in fall 2019, but even with the conclusion of this audit and Dixon's damning testimony, on January 8th, 2020, California's Second District Court of Appeals threw out the charges of child abuse and falsifying public records in a two-to-one ruling, citing a lack of probable cause, saying that failure to do their due diligence and to remove Fernandez and Gabriel from his abusers did not constitute criminal liability for child abuse. They yes. didn't hit him. They didn't kill him. So therefore, they're not liable. They were just, I don't know, assigned to fucking protect him. Yeah. Uh, it's not like a bystander effect. It's like if you see a car crash and just keep going and you're not responsible. This is, you were assigned. This person's <laughs> name was on your paperwork. Forget to, that. You, you took a job. Yeah, it's exactly. your job. Like, what the beyond fu- that like, this is a child like yes. have a heart yes i don't i don't fucking understand i don't i will never understand that how do you live with yourself no That's and i don't understand insane. how this how this court of appeals lives with themselves either for not seeing any of that this is because this most... would have been the thing this would have been the wake-up call that yeah. people would have gotten their asses in gear and done their fucking jobs because Th- you can go to jail now yeah it is the most documented case of child abuse that i've ever heard of and nothing was done yeah at any turn yeah and it wasn't even like he wasn't saying i'm i'm being obviously it's not up to him to say it no but i'm saying like even he it wasn't even like people were like oh i think he might be being abused he he readily admitted it my mom punched me in the mouth i got beaten with a belt but he that's also not up to him to do. No, no, no. But I'm He's, saying because they're yeah, saying yeah. that there wasn't like 
there wasn't oh, they, sufficient they couldn't evidence. tell yes basically that there wasn't sufficient evidence I don't um know. I, so the opinion read quote although there may be consequences to social workers who fulfill who fail to fulfill end quote their duties blah 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 end quote or be or you know what i mean quote the consequences do not include criminal liability for child abuse end quote Mm-hmm. And prosecutors did attempt to get a rehearing for the case, but eventually they decided to drop the charges because it just was futile. Yeah. So that brings us somewhat to the pop culture section. We'll talk about pop culture a little bit, and then we're going to uh, tie this up with a nice little fucked up bow. On February 26th, 2020, Netflix released a six part documentary series titled The Trials of Gabriel Hernandez. Fernandez. I and I started to say f and then I yeah, corrected I myself to huh. And mm. so this series was directed by Brian Knappenberger and co-produced by former LA Times reporter and UC Berkeley professor Garrett Therolf, who he was like the go-to. He extensively reported on this case and these trials for the LA Times, as well as other publications, and like a lot of his reports were the foundation for this series. Yeah. So the miniseries details the murder of Gabriel and subsequent responses by the media and the local government. Knappenberger um, told The Wrap, quote, we worked on this for almost two years. This was super emotional for everyone. We actually had a therapist that was being offered to people. We had never done that on a production before, end quote. And also Mm -hmm. I'd like to say again, this came out in February 2020. They had been working on it for two years. So literally from the time that like Fernandez, Pearl Fernandez was like. Yeah, when the sent, case, like, yeah, when the trials were it. like wrapped up and yes, everything. They, they were got to it. go in. Yeah. Um, but so he went on, quote, it was very emotional to go through. We spent time with interviews. We fact checked everything. But everybody that went through this just felt like there was a purpose and it was a story we had to tell, end quote. And in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, Knappenberger also said of the production, quote, we were all a wreck in the beginning. We heard from first responders who for many years took emergency calls of all types testify that this was the powerful thing they'd ever seen or been a part of. Gabriel's story meant so much to so many people, end quote. The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez has an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb, a 94% Google score, and an 82% tomato meter rating on Rotten Tomatoes with the critics' consensus, quote, The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez is a sobering, if at times too sensational for its own good, expose of a very broken system, end quote. And as I mentioned earlier, you can watch it on Netflix. I think it needs to be as sensational as it is to just illustrate how neglected this yeah, case this was. is totally different in my opinion than like sensationalized it's one thing to be like for example you and i were talking about today um the the um uh, the kylan schultz and crystal um goodness i know i know i know her name i know her name um turner crystal yeah. turner that at the time that we're recording this a suspect was named um And in the article that I sent you saying this, there was like a blown out like you couldn't really even tell if it was them or not because it was like zoomed in too much and cut off of their faces. But there were like three, four photos of this suspect. That's the sensationalization that we should not 
be feeding into. Yeah, this- and like nine Bundy documentaries coming out at the same time. This is the case where like it's obviously completely horrible and uh the fact that this had to happen at all is abhorrent yeah well and and not even and and not to say that go ahead sorry i Um, think i think this docuseries is of more use to people like watching than say the bundy documentaries and all that sort of stuff because there is the very, very slight, tiniest, teensy, teensy pinprick amount glimmer of hope that this, obviously you're illustrating a broken system. Yes, 100% completely. But that system still exists and it can be fixed. And this doesn't need to happen again to any other children. Like, Bundy's dead, go fuck him, whatever. Piss on his grave, doesn't matter. But the way that neglected children are handled in our society needs to be complete not even just neglected abused fully abused needs to be completely overhauled and and given so much money and uh brought to people's attention because obviously like you know there's no reason you need to know this if you don't if you're not in the system but you do need to know about it yeah because it is important the signs it's the warning signs Exactly. I, I, I just, I, I can't, it's, it's so. But it's not something that people think about until something like this comes out. And I, that's why I think that this docuseries is important for people to watch. It's important for that because also, again, remember this, this, the details from Dixon's testimony. Um, she, she, those were sealed, blah, 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 whatever you want to call it. But it was being brought forth because she worked on both Gabriel's case and the case of another little boy, Anthony Avalos, who died almost five years after yeah, because of the same negligence and the same homophobia. Not that it's 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 the root cause is, of course, homophobia, but he was failed just like Gabriel was failed. And yeah. all, you can you can put together all the blue ribbon fucking commissions you want. You can fire and then rehire and indict and then dismiss as much as you want. Move people around to different uh, yeah. uh, departments that often happens. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it's just it, it's it. This needs to be sensationalized because had they done their job, Gabriel and Anthony would still be alive. Had. And the, countless had other the children we don't even know job, about. Had the county done its job and yeah. ac- actually reprimanded these people, made an example out of them because they deserved it. They fucked up really yeah. badly. I'm sorry that your prayers did not save this child who, again, was declared brain dead because his brain was the consistency of rice crispies yeah and that's full that is hard to hear it is hard to read about it's hard to watch in a docuseries but you have to hear it to know that this is what happens and this needs to never happen ever again yes like and yes the foster system needs reform i understand that and i I, like i do but this this also so DCFS social work needs reform as well, because like it's even though even if they ha- they they hadn't gotten to Gabriel in time, they could have gotten to Anthony. 
in time. This was yeah. five years and yeah, nothing no changed. Re- yeah, there's no reason five years later this this had to happen again. That's disgusting. Um, but yeah, so if anybody's interested in social work, uh, definitely if you've got the uh, head and the heart and the stomach for it, then I would fully urge somebody to go into that. Maybe you're the person that changes the whole system. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and for those who are, like, just thank you. Good for yeah. you. Like, because these these people need you. It's not even just kids, because I, my, I, I've touched on this. My brother is in his 20s, but he is developmentally disabled, and he has a social worker. Yeah. Like, it's it's so much more than that. It's just... So, I mean, the work that you do is important and it's, I can't, I can't say it enough. Um, But just to close things out here, um, on April 8th, 2021, Fernandez filed a petition requesting to be (laughs) resentenced. Again, remember, she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Yeah. And this was denied by Judge Lamelli, who said that after careful review of her petition, he concluded that she was, quote, not entitled to resentencing relief, end quote. Meanwhile, Aguirre's execution has yet to be set in accordance with the moratorium on capital punishment that was imposed by California Governor Gavin Newsom in March 2019. And unpopular opinion, I know a lot of people think an eye for an eye, but no, I think that this man, especially if he was as gentle as he was supposed to be and that Fernandez just brought out the worst in him, as many said. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that he should have to live the rest of his life sitting there and thinking about what he did to that child. Yeah. Um. Finally, on March 31st, 2022, so very recently, like a month and a half ago, yep. the California State Board of Behavioral Sciences placed Dixon, that, that woman who was given immunity. Yeah. Yeah, she was given immunity from prosecution legally, bitch. Not from her board, like yeah. literally the licensing. So they placed her on a four-year probation after determining that she failed to report allegations of abuse as part of a directed settlement, according to the Los Angeles Times. She had also faced charges of gross negligence and unprofessional conduct by the licensing board, but those were apparently dropped as part of the settlement. And as part of her agreement and settlement, she's required to participate in psychotherapy, law and ethics training, and coursework in child abuse assessment. Hmm. And Deputy DA Hitami told Oxygen in response to this ruling, quote, so many people failed Gabriel and Anthony. It's just heartbreaking and not right. I do feel that four years probation is unfair and not a just punishment. Someone who failed to protect children and report child abuse should not be given another chance to fail again. That's too dangerous, end quote. Yeah. And with that, that is the story of Gabriel Fernandez. Yes. And just everybody needs to do better. Everybody needs to do better. Just fucking everybody. Yeah. Like, I just, I, this is. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. And to the point, like, I didn't even include this. Like, for example, Garcia um, that like Gabriel's teacher would give a number to each child, like like I had a teacher who did this. Like I just I it was just like it's like a thing that teachers sometimes do where it's just like oh uh, numbers one through ten line up for the bathroom or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Gabriel's number was twenty eight, and she to this day cannot bear to give another child the number twenty eight. 
and mm. she will explain that to her children, her students, that, hey, like, I skipped 28, and this is why. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, that opens up a whole discussion of, if anything is happening in your homes, I'm a safe person. Yes, as am I. We're both, and our account is safe, our personal accounts are safe, our, our crime culture account is safe. Yeah. Um. Just, yeah. it's... That's a, and that's as much of a plug for our socials that we're going to do because yeah. it's that's weird to plug our socials after uh, a case like this. But if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know where to find us. Um, it's in the description of the episode. Yeah, and if you want to reach out, you can reach out. If you don't and you just want to listen, then if, if you want your ways to just turn the fuck on, then you can All do right. that. Well, despite yeah, the fact that I was like no go away because it was like hey you have a, t a, a drive scheduled and i was like no i fucking don't All but right. <laughs> sorry <laughs> so that is that um i mean there's no uplifting stories that we ever cover but maybe it won't be such a bummer next week oh no it's gonna be a bummer next week oh next week is our next week's patreon our patreon day. yeah next mm -hmm. week's our patreon day it's gonna be a bummer next week it's um, a bummer but it's, but it's also, less of a bummer it's very topical it's topical. It's a topical bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. All that's right. that. You've been that's, you. I've been me. That's and, that. Uh, We've been us. This has been Crime Culture. Yeah. And we'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. We can do each other.